Welcome to the Underclass Podcast with Austin Picard. I'm an independent researcher who can't stomach being lied to on a daily basis by the mainstream media. While we live in a fracturing society, launched into parallel realities, falling perfectly onto the two sides of the political spectrum, I remain in the underclass. Henry Kissinger once said that the world population needs to be decreased by 50%. He claimed that depopulation should be the highest priority of foreign policy towards the third world because the U.S. economy will require large and increasing amounts of minerals from abroad, especially from less developed countries. Today, America would be outraged if U.N. troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told that there were an outside threat from beyond, whether real or promulgated, that threatened our very existence. It is then that all peoples of the world will plead to deliver them from this evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by the world government, the New World Order. In the preface of his book, published in 2004, Author John Perkins begins by describing what he calls economic hitmen as highly paid professionals who cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars. They funnel money from the World Bank, the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and other foreign aid organizations into the coffers of huge corporations in the pockets of a few wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources. Their tools include fraudulent financial reports, rigged elections, payoffs, extortion, sex, and murder. They play a game as old as empire, but one that has taken on new and terrifying dimensions during this time of globalization. I should know. I was an economic hitman. I wrote that in 1982 as the beginning of a book with the working title, Conscience of an Economic Hitman. The book was dedicated to the presidents of two countries, men who had been my clients, whom I respected and thought of as kindred spirits, Jamie Roldos, president of Ecuador, and Omar Torrios, president of Panama. Both had just died in fiery crashes. Their deaths were not accidental. They were assassinated because they opposed this fraternity of corporate government and banking heads whose goal is global empire. We economic hitmen failed to bring Roldos and Torrios around, and the other type of hitmen, the CIA-sanctioned jackals who were always right behind us, stepped in. John Perkins reportedly spent the 1970s working for the Boston engineering strategic consulting firm Chaz T. Maine. He claims to have been screened for this job by the National Security Agency, or NSA, with whom he had interviewed for a job prior to joining Maine. According to the author, this interview effectively constituted an independent screening 
that led to his subsequent hiring as an economic hitman by Einar Grieve, vice president of the firm, who Perkins alleged was acting as a liaison for the NSA. Perkins further claimed to have been seduced by a mysterious woman named Claudine Martin, who was responsible for his training as an economic hitman, using his NSA personality profile to manipulate and control him. As chief economist at Chaz T. Maine, Perkins advised the World Bank, United Nations, IMF, U.S. Treasury Department, Fortune 500 corporations, and countries in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. He also worked directly with heads of state and CEOs of major companies. Perkins' time at Chaz T. Maine provides the basis for his subsequent claims that, as an economic hitman, he was charged with inducing developing countries to borrow large amounts of money designated to pay for questionable infrastructure investments, but ultimately with a view to making the debt-laden countries more dependent economically and politically upon the West. According to Perkins, his job at the firm was to convince leaders of underdeveloped countries to accept substantial development loans for large construction and engineering projects, ensuring that these projects were contracted to U.S. companies. Such loans provided political influence for the U.S. and access to natural resources for American companies, thus primarily helping local elites and wealthy families rather than the poor. The book heavily criticizes U.S. foreign policy and the notion that all economic growth benefits humankind and that the greater the growth, the more widespread the benefits. Perkins suggests that, in many cases, only a small portion of the population benefits at the expense of the rest, pointing to, as an example, an increase in income inequality, whereby large U.S. corporations exploit cheap labor and oil companies destroy local environments. Perkins describes what he calls a system of corporatocracy and greed as the driving forces behind establishing the United States as a global empire in which he took a role as an economic hitman to expand its influence. Chaz T. Maine's former vice president, Einar Grieve, who first offered Perkins a job at the firm, stated that, basically his story is true. What John's book says is, there was a conspiracy to put all these countries on the hook, and that happened. Whether or not it was some sinister plot or not is up to interpretation but many of these countries are still over the barrel and have never been able to repay the loans. In today's episode, we redefine progress as we set out to challenge the cult of sustainable development and its deceitful orthodoxy through exposing an overlapping sinister agenda hidden in plain sight and couched in deceptive language designed to facilitate social compliance. For who could, in their right mind, oppose such a thing as sustainable development? And therein lies the complicated trap set by the architects of what John Perkins so poignantly described as the game as old as empire. Generation after generation, further conscripted into this radical ideology through the corrosive system of outcome-based education, it's time we finally become enlightened 
to this sophisticated propaganda and manufactured social pressure designed to intimidate us into conformity. A naive, well-intentioned, new-age society, overwhelmingly convinced of an apocalyptic vision, only to be seduced into restructuring global society in the image of an ecological totalitarian state. The First Global Revolution is a book written by Alexander King and Bertrand Schneider, published in 1991 as a follow-up to their earlier 1972 work, product from the Club of Rome titled The Limits to Growth. The book tagline reads, a report by the Council of the Club of Rome. The book was intended as a blueprint for the 21st century, putting forward a strategy for world survival at the onset of what they called the world's first global revolution. Officially, the product of a think tank, the book attempted to transcend the nation-state governance paradigm of the 19th and 20th century and sought a way to eliminate some of the challenges seen inherent with those older systems of global governance. In one of the most controversial sections of the book, they expose their true intentions by perfectly representing the psychopathy behind this Malthusian authoritarian agenda, claiming that, because of the sudden absence of traditional enemies, new enemies must be identified. The common enemy of humanity is man. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers are caused by human intervention, and it is only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. The Delphi Method or the Delphi Technique, was developed by the Rand Corporation post-World War II in the 1950s and has been applied a number of ways. Officially defined as a structured communication technique or method relying on a panel of experts to reach a consensus and develop professional guidelines accordingly. This appeal to authority again reminded me of another Henry Kissinger quote when he confessed that an expert is just someone who articulates the needs of those in power. The Delphi method assumes that group judgments are more valid than individual judgments. Even the name itself has roots in the occult and derives from the ancient oracle of Delphi. However, many people believe that the method was actually developed as an underhanded management organizational technique with the true purpose of collectively bringing people to a predetermined outcome through the provided illusion of having a voice and crafting the outcome themselves. United Nations Agenda 21 is officially considered a non-binding action plan of the United Nations with regard to sustainable development and is a product of the Earth Summit, which is a UN conference on environment and development held in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 1992. It originally served as an international agreement after first being made public at the UN conference where President George H.W. Bush represented the United States as one of 178 different governments who voted to adopt the program.
The sustainable development concept is rooted in at least two prior meetings of the United Nations, first in 1972 and again in 1976, and was referred to as Habitat One, serving as the first United Nations Conference on Human Settlements, which was convened by the United Nations as governments began to recognize the magnitude and consequences of rapid urbanization. During this meeting, it was determined that privately owned land was a threat to the social equity of people on the planet. In essence, launching a covert war waged on behalf of the state against private property rights. A modern example we can point to, reinforcing this notion, would be in 2008, when the UN reportedly undertook a major review of the principles of peacekeeping, producing the Capstone Doctrine to guide modern operations. The Capstone Doctrine is a UN doctrine and framework outlining a set of principles based in a strategy of collaborative governance, international innovative law, consensus reality, and even the abolishment of the individual, with property rights being replaced by a collective. The theories and applications of collaborative governance are often abstracted as communitarianism, which for all intents and purposes quickly becomes a form of communism in practice strictly advocating group dynamics and collectivism as a priority while superseding the rights and needs of the individual. This doctrine specifically references the Delphi technique, which has essentially become a valuable method used for inducing isolation, alienation, and termination of any critical or dissenting opinion. We should first establish what exactly is sustainable development. According to an article written by Henry Lamb and published December 1, 2005 with the title Sustainable Development, Transforming America, he provides a comprehensive breakdown of this imposing threat to modern-day prosperity, writing, As the sustainable development movement continues to gain momentum, it is worthwhile to step back and take a long look at the big picture, painted with a broad brush to reveal what the United States might look like as the movement's vision is more fully implemented over the next 50 years or so. The picture painted here is based on official documents published by several government agencies and non-governmental organizations during the last decade. These documents were rarely reported in the news, and average working people have no idea what sustainable development really means and even less knowledge of what is in store for the future. If the vision of sustainable development continues to unfold as it has in the last decade, life in the United States will be quite different in the future. The vision, half the land area of the entire country will be designated wilderness areas where only wildlife managers and researchers will be allowed. These areas will be interconnected by corridors of wilderness to allow migration of wildlife without interference by human activity. Surrounding these wilderness areas and corridors, designated buffer zones will be managed for conservation objectives. The primary objective is restoration and rehabilitation. Rehabilitation involves the repair of damaged ecosystems, 
while restoration usually involves the reconstruction of natural or semi-natural ecosystems. As areas are restored and rehabilitated, they are added to the wilderness designation and the buffer zone is extended outward. Buffer zones are surrounded by what is called zones of cooperation. This is where people live in sustainable communities. Sustainable communities are defined by strict urban growth boundaries. Land outside the growth boundaries will be managed by government agencies which grant permits for activities deemed to be essential and sustainable. Open space to provide a viewshed and sustainable recreation for community residents will abut the urban boundaries. Beyond the viewshed, sustainable agricultural activities will be permitted to support the food requirements of nearby communities. Sustainable communities of the future will bear little resemblance to the towns and cities of the 20th century. Single-family homes will be rare. Housing will be provided by public-private partnerships funded by government and managed by non-government homeowners associations. Housing units will be designed to provide most of the infrastructure and amenities required by the residents. Shops and office space will be an integral part of each unit, and housing will be allocated on a priority basis to people who work in the unit with quotas to achieve ethnic and economic balance. Schools, daycare, and recreation facilities will be provided. Each unit will be designed for bicycle and foot traffic to reduce, if not eliminate, the need for people to use automobiles. Transportation between sustainable communities for people and for commodities will be primarily by light rail systems designed to bridge wilderness corridors where necessary. The highways that remain will be super transport corridors, such as the Trans-Texas Corridor now being designed, which will eventually reach from Mexico to Canada. These transport corridors will also be designed to bridge wilderness corridors and to minimize the impact on the environment. Government, too, will be different in a sustainable America. Human activity is being reorganized around eco-regions, which do not respect county or state boundaries. Therefore, the governing apparatus will be designed to regulate the activities within the entire region, rather than having multiple governing jurisdictions with services duplicated in each political subdivision. It is far more efficient to have regional governing authorities with centrally administered services. He ends the article by concluding that the question that must be asked is will sustainable development really result in economic prosperity, environmental protection, and social equity for the current generation without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs? Even in the early days of this century-long transition to sustainability, there is growing evidence that the fundamental flaws in the concept will likely produce the opposite of the desired goals. Forests that have been taken out of productive use in order to conform to the vision of sustainable development have been burned to cinders, annihilating wildlife, including species deemed to be endangered, resulting in the opposite of environmental protection. Government-imposed restrictions on resource use and land 
that is now designated wilderness or buffer zones, have resulted in shortages, accompanied by rapid price increases that result in the opposite of economic prosperity. In sustainable communities, it is the poorest of the poor who are cast out of their homes to make way for the planner's visions. These victims would not define the experience as social equity. Detailed academic studies show that housing costs rise inevitably as sustainable development is implemented. Traffic congestion is often worsened after sustainable development measures are installed, and always, private property rights and individual freedom are diminished or extinguished. Sustainable development is a concept constructed on the principle that government has the right and the responsibility to regulate the affairs of people to achieve government's vision of the greatest good for all. The United States is founded on the principle that government has no rights or responsibility not specifically granted to it by the people who are governed. These two concepts cannot long coexist. One principle or the other will eventually dominate. For the last 15 years, sustainable development has been on the ascendancy, permeating state and local governments across the land. Only in the last few years have ordinary people begun to realize that sustainable development is a global initiative imposed by the highest levels of government. People are just beginning to get a glimpse of the magnitude of the transformation of America that is underway. The question that remains unanswered is will Americans accept this new sustainable future that has been planned for them and imposed upon them? Or as Americans have done in the past, will they rise up in defense of their freedom? and demand that their elected officials force the bureaucrats and professionals to return to the role of serving the people who pay their salaries by administering policies enacted only by elected officials, rather than conspiring to set the policies by which all the people must live. By the year 1990, two years before UN Agenda 21 was revealed to the public, an international non-governmental organization promoting sustainable development given the name ICLE, or International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives, was established. The organization was initially formed when more than 200 local governments from 43 countries convened at its inaugural conference, the World Congress of Local Governments for a Sustainable Future, at the United Nations in New York in September 1990. As of 2020, more than 1,750 cities, towns, counties, and their associations in 126 countries are a part of the ICLE network. The latest report came in 2023, listing over 2,500 cities, towns, and regions as members. This is clearly a global agenda being implemented at the local level. ICLE is considered a bridging organization, playing important roles in knowledge sharing and in intermediation processes between local initiatives and regulatory actors. Its main priority has been to provide technical consulting to local governments to identify and meet sustainability objectives with a strong focus on biodiversity working across local 
national, and global levels. There are over 600 local governments in the U.S. that are members of ICLEI, and during the economic crash of 2008, their membership grew by 58%. According to the book, Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21, author Rosa Corey is the executive director of the Post-Sustainability Institute. She is a forensic commercial real estate appraiser, specializing in eminent domain valuation. Her 28-year career as an expert witness on land use and property value has culminated in exposing the impacts of sustainable development on private property rights and individual liberty. In 2005, she was elected to a Citizens Oversight Committee in Santa Rosa, Northern California, to review a proposed 1,300-acre redevelopment project in which 10,000 people live and work. Her research into the documents justifying the plans led her with her partner Kay Tokrud to challenge the fraudulent basis for the huge Gateways Redevelopment Project. The city, in an attempt to block Corey from exposing the project, removed the neighborhood in which Corey and Tokrud's properties were located from the redevelopment area. Corey and Tokrud fought on, however, not wanting to abandon the thousands of business and property owners still in the area. They formed a business and property owners association and a non-profit organization and were able to raise nearly $500,000 in donations and pro bono legal work to sue the city of Santa Rosa to stop the project. The court case, Hilkrude v. City of Santa Rosa, lost in Superior Court, but the court ruled that they could continue, and they appealed to the San Francisco First District Court of Appeals where they lost again in 2009. The three years of litigation fighting eminent domain in the redevelopment project succeeded in delaying the project while the economy collapsed. The city has failed to implement its plans, but still has the power of eminent domain over the 1,100-acre area until 2018. Over the course of the legal challenge, Corey became aware of the source of the planning revolution she had observed over more than 10 years, UN Agenda 21. Through her research, she found that much of the funding and power to implement local UN Agenda 21 sustainable development land use programs comes through the diversion of property taxes to redevelopment agencies. Her work in providing information and solutions for citizens fighting UN Agenda 21 has spread across the nation and world as more and more people become aware of the increased restrictions on their property rights and the methods used to implement social engineering. During an interview with James Corbett, she briefly describes the role that non-governmental organizations play in the local implementation of UN Agenda 21 Sustainable Development, while also mentioning ICLEI. Non-governmental organizations are vital to this plan because they are actually, this is the way the circle goes around, is that they influence government, government funds them, they are also funded and influenced by corporations, and uh, they make contractual agreements, so they have interwoven systems 
with local governments. And ultimately what we're talking about is empowering local government and then moving that uh, emp empowerment into a regional cycle. So um, this is, this is uh, you know, I'd like to get into ICLE, International Council on Local Environmental Initiatives, because this is uh, sort of a springboard for it. But, of course, the precautionary principle, uh, you know, is a vital part of this because it says that basically you're guilty until proven innocent, that um, if there's any suspicion of an action being taken that would damage in some way human beings or the environment, that in, in the absence of scientific consensus that it is, in fact, harmful, you would have to prove that it's not harmful. So this, this is a, a, a sort of a cash-22 situation that, that destroys a lot of small business. It is, it is, this plan is a corporate plan. It's a global corporatocracy. It is a totalitarian plan. It is designed to destroy all small independence and local control. Rosa Corey remains a valuable resource to this day, with most of her work still being maintained at DemocratsAgainstUNAgenda21.com, where I discovered a link to the infamous public education curriculum, Common Core State Standards Initiative, known simply as Common Core, which is an educational initiative that details what students from K through 12 throughout the entire United States would be required to know at the conclusion of each school grade. The initiative is even sponsored by the National Governors Association and Council of Chief State School Officers. According to Democrats Against UN Agenda21.com, Common Core is an integral part of UN Agenda 21 sustainable development Globalization is the standardization of systems. Whether the system is law enforcement or land use or government, the standardization, harmonization, and integration of all international methods of management is essential for total control. Education is the flashpoint for embedding system acceptance in all sectors of the population. Standardized propaganda is developed for pre-kindergarten to postgraduate school. This is what is meant by lifelong learning, breaking down traditional methods of learning in order to re-socialize the populace is the goal. Obedient, dependent people who are constantly being propagandized will provide the human capital to fully implement UN Agenda 21 sustainable development. Regardless of the content of this nationalized, an internationalized system of behavioral modification, the goal and outcome will be to fundamentally destroy the individual's rights. This is commonly referred to as transformation or change. You won't see it called Agenda 21. It won't come with flashing lights announcing that it's part of a global standardization program to inventory, monitor, and control every aspect of your life. Example, Common Core is a new inventory and control system adopted by nearly every state in the U.S. to fully implement Skinnerian training or operant conditioning. This system creates people who will go along to get along, who will be good, obedient citizens. We must resist. Tell your school board that you want out of Common Core. This is a top-down federal global system for pseudo-education and is a tremendous threat to our independence as individuals and as a nation. 
In her book, she truly captures the essence of this all-pervasive agenda, prying off the green mask, exposing this cult of sustainable development and its deceitful orthodoxy. She claims that the arm of UN Agenda 21 is long and reaches into every area of the world. The philosophy of communitarianism pervades this plan. To want government to serve the people by providing services, infrastructure, and protection is not contradictory to objecting to the imposition of restrictions that break the hearts and wallets of property owners. Communitarianism balances the rights of the individual with the so-called rights of the community. Because the rights of the community are not defined in a constitution, they can change without warning or notice. One's individual rights are balanced against a continuously redefined amorphous rulebook. This rulebook is written in the dark, and the individual runs up against it at dawn and alone. The slogan of UN Agenda 21, to protect the rights of future generations and all species against the potential crimes of the present, is both a smokescreen and a declaration of entitlement. By standing on this high-sounding premise, the rights of the individual are called selfish, and those who would fight for them slurred as immoral. The philosophy that by merely living and exhaling we pose a direct danger to the earth is self-destructive and truly damaging to those lands that we steward. The green mask must be drawn back far back from the personalities, the little dictators running trusts, foundations, planning departments, city and town councils, provinces and states, non-governmental foundations and the like. The green mask must be removed from those who have hijacked the environmental movement. Behind the money in green, the more than five trillion dollars in private money poised to make green loans, the carbon credit brokers, the enormous wealth in purchasing landfills, carbon sinks, inaccessible lands in third world countries. Behind that greed, which one would expect, look behind that. Find what intelligent, educated people the world over look away from, as from a spotlight. There is a plan for world governance that is in place and eating like a metastasized cancer into every nation, free and bound in the world. Under the banner of saving the planet, we are drowning liberty. Under the mask of green, our civil liberties are being restricted, constricted, and suffocated in every village and hamlet. The plan is imposed locally. Your government is a corporatocracy a new authoritarian state in the process of consolidating your output into a more controllable, exploitable channel. The reason you are being misled by your government and told that all of this is good for you is because there is no profit in managing a mass uprising. It is too disruptive. The markets want you to continue to cooperate quietly and obediently. The technology that is being marketed to you is actually being used to condition you to expect to be spied on.
and to spy on others. Every totalitarian state in history has relied on data collection. The Nazis were masters of data collection and analysis. Your government now has technological capabilities that far exceed anything ever seen on the planet to this date. You are in the midst of the biggest public relations scam in the history of the world. The pretty pastel vision of life and a smart growth development is a manipulation, a mask. In fact, these plans are designed to restrict your freedom. Awareness is the first step in the resistance. Mm -hmm.